It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast, and happy Monday. I'm Kevin Sully. He's Gordon Mack. Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Subscribe to the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube page. We got that bonus episode. We're going to put it up over the weekend. Programming note, we're going to put that up tomorrow, 9 a.m. Central Time. So if you're not a member and you want that bonus pod, you got a day now. Become a member so you can access that bonus pod. Gordon and I make our big bets for 2022. I tell you who I'm going to bet my house on. Gordon had one bet. It's looking better. It aged well. And I want people, when you're watching that show, if you're watching that show, to realize it was recorded before this weekend. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to spoil anything. But it was recorded before this weekend. But it aged very well. We also have uh, This Week in Track going up on the website today, which featured a special guest, the person most qualified in the world to comment on Devin Allen signing with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. Gordon Mack makes his This Week in Track debut, so you can check that out. Gordon, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, good weekend overall. Now that the uh, NBA regular season is done, I'm now in Gordon Mack playoff oh, no. mode. This is not a good mode to be in. Good and bad, but uh, Philadelphia 76ers first-round opponent, uh, they're going to exercise their 2019 demons. From the Kawhi shot, mm. they're going up against the Toronto Raptors. In fact, there is a legitimate scenario with the Philadelphia 76ers, first round, second round, and third round opponents will all be the, against teams that eliminated them in the playoffs the past four years, which would be, mm. you could go Toronto, Atlanta, then Boston. So that's what I want to happen. You get a, it's going to be a revenge tour, and then you come out on the other side, a new man, you know. Do you... In, in, in sports, I mean, this kind of backfired on me because I'm actually a Duke basketball fan. So, In sports, up, he says. In sports, would you rather face a team that beating them feels ultra good, but losing to them is mm -hmm. worse? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, it's the risk-reward. Yeah. Like, do you want to beat your rival, but you don't want to risk losing to your rival? I always think yeah. about that. I always end up as a fan hating the team so much by the end, even if I went in having some respect for them. So I say might as well raise the stakes. Might as well there be against go. the greatest rival or the team you wanted the most, which is what the San Antonio Spurs, of course, did when they beat the Miami Heat the year after losing in gut-wrenching fashion to the Miami Heat. Um, for those of you who don't know, playoff Sixers Gordon is a cousin of broken shoulder Gordon. So this could get really bad because both the cousins – have showed up to the same party and we're going to see what happens over the next couple weeks, month, who knows how long this is going to take two months. 
Oh, uh, okay, so we're going to talk Bermuda games. Three months. Okay, knock on wood. We're going to talk Bermuda games. We're going to talk uh, Devin Allen signing with the Eagles. Billy Allman broke the American record again in the discus. Um, first, so do you want to recap the pickup contest, Jordan, now, or do you want to do that later? Well, the pickup contest, so, I mean, we, we'll recap the pickup contest when we go to the Bermuda games. But let's first talk about, I think, the, the athlete of the weekend. Which is my girl, Miss Abby Steiner, who had two incredible performances. One, which I think is even more incredible, but won't get the real recognition because the time isn't as fast. But she started off running the the fastest win legal time in the world, ten ninety two in the hundred. And when you watch this video back, it literally looks like her lane, her her legs are like fast forwarding. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's be she's running in real time. It looks like everyone else is in real time and she has some like fast forward motion. That's how yeah. great her turnover is. Her start, clearly, she's not really a born and bred hundred meter runner. She's more than two hundred, so her start's not as good. But if she can figure out her start, her closing and her turnover is unreal. And there are some legit women in this field. I mean, Micaiah Briscoe and Aaliyah Hobbs. Both Olympians. Yeah. So I think the sky's the limit after seeing this 100-meter performance. I remember talking to Abby after NCA indoors, and she said her goal was one to, to break 11 seconds. Well, she checked that off her yeah. list very early in the season. But also she wanted to get better in the 100. She, want, she knew she needed to improve her 100 in order to really improve her 200. She, had, this was, she hadn't run the 100 in many years. So you can't ask for a better start to your outdoor season when your goal is to focus on your 100 and then you run a world lead. I think it's going pretty pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And then the 200, 2238, minus 5.6 on the wind. Now, wind in the 200, kind of tricky. You know, they're measuring it from, obviously, the home stretch position there. So it's tough to get an exact read on that. But that's her PB which is pretty wild to think about. I mean, she's going under 22 this year. That's obvious because she ran 22 low indoors. So that's not a surprise to me at all. But like you, I gravitated to the 100 though. And I know she's had better performances, equivalent collegiate record performances, NCAA championships. But for me, maybe it was just the way it was filmed. Maybe it's the angle. Maybe it's just the idea of going sub 11 for the first time. But yeah, I'm like you. The way I described it was it looks like the turbo button got stuck on the controller and like you couldn't she couldn't undo it like 40 meters in she's just going and not stopping and i see this this tweet the first time right the kentucky tweet the kentucky tweet says 1092 at steiner speed abby sander gets 100 meter school record personal best third fastest in simply the season it doesn't say what place she got so as i'm watching this the first time and we're at 50 meters i'm like wow this must have been a fast race all around she didn't even win and she runs 1092 and then it just keeps going and keeps going and she somehow seems to be accelerating even more and more the closer they get to the finish line i always thought she was legit you were obviously higher on her for longer than i was because you've been higher on her for longer than virtually anybody outside of her immediate family has been but <laughs> Probably true. this this one this won me over this won me over and I, like i said i admit part of it is just the manner in which this race unfolded um and just how impressive she looks over the last 50. But I'm in. I'm in. I mean, you said you gravitate towards 100. I gravitate, gravitated towards the 200 because I like doing the weird, I'm Mr. Love the Conversions. But I yeah. busted 2238 into a conversion calculator for wind. And based on her lane assignment, based on the altitude, and based on the wind reading, Apparently, 2238 converts to 216, which seems crazy, right? But yeah, Abby, uh, Gabby Thomas ran 216 with a little bit of a tailwind at Texas Relays. And I kind of am seeing that Abby and Gabby are basically very neck and neck right now if I were mm-hmm. to see them race tomorrow. And I think, I think Abby potentially is on a really good day with perfect wind conditions, can run 21-6. 
I yeah. know that seems yeah. crazy to trust a 0.7 converter, but man, let me tell you, like you don't run 1092 and that, and that's a headwind. It, it just, I think the converter yeah. is more accurate than we may think. And I really do think we have two American women who are both 21 mid to 21 mid high shape right now, which is incredible. And it's going to set up for an, an epic 200 meter final at USA's because outside of these two, there's no one touching either one. I mean, Shakari isn't, obviously we haven't seen Shakari yet, but she's not really great in the 200 anyway. You know, Gabby's coming off for her Olympic medal. I'm looking at Abby and Gabby as being like the, the, the clear one-two punch on the U.S. side. And if you're, th- those two, I think, is also going to translate to being able to go up against Mboma and going up, be able to go up against uh, Lane Thompson-Hurrah. I still would probably mm-hmm. take Thompson-Hurrah and Mboma right now over either yeah. uh, Abby or Gabby. But, man, the more and more you watch Abby starting to race, the more and more you want to kind of throw her in the Gabby Thomas category. Right now, I'm still going to give the advantage to Gabby Thomas, despite my year's worth of believing in Abby Steiner. I still do, but you got to take away the bias, and I got to recognize, well, okay, Gabby Thomas mm-hmm. is an Olympic medalist. All right, you can't just erase that because of a random headwind LSU 200 and be like, oh, no, Olympic medalists, you're worthless now. No, you got, you're at the top until you get beaten. So, But right now, there are, Abby is – is going don't be surprised if she upsets gabby which would be exciting at usa's in, in eugene yeah my other thought is i need to rework the 200 rankings i just posted them last week and i'm going to edit them probably later on this week i need to do it already she was not in the top 10 i did not have steiner in the top 10. that's a loaded event though that's that's one reason because you put people like miller Weibo in there like sharika jackson so you have to wait until you actually have this incredible outdoor time Steiner, remember, didn't have an outdoor season. She's been injured a bunch last year. So she had all these crazy indoor times, but the 200 is such a weird indoor race. You don't really know what to do with them. I I think we can get too carried away. I like that. I'm like every track fan. I love a good conversion chart. And shout out to this person at LMU who at some point in history made a win conversion chart that everybody uses. We have no idea how good it is. But everybody uses it. Um, I just, I take those things a bit with a grain of salt. But look at the margin of victory. Look at, put it in context of the 10-9. Put it in context of what she did indoors. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, that's going to be a great battle with her and Gabby Thomas. I mean, I'd also throw in there on the U.S. side, I think it's going to be fun. Prandini, remember, was sub-22 at trials. Tamara Clark was really close to Gabby Thomas at, at Texas Relays. That whole event, the women's two, is going to be really good. It's going to be really solid, and it needs to be if they're going to compete with, you know, Thompson, Hurrah, and Boma, et cetera, on, on the world level. But I'm a believer, Gordon. I'm a believer. So one last conversion to throw at you. So Good. According what if it was a plus athletics, 5.6? Plus 5.6, how fast does she run? World Athletics gives result scores to wind-dated performances or, wind, or headwind performances, and according to – World Athletics, it's it's worth twelve thirty one, which is basically twenty two oh four. Which I don't believe that. I think it's faster than twenty two oh four. But apparently to World Athletics, yeah. it's equivalent to a twenty two oh four. You know what? We're gonna find out. She's gonna run in fast meets. There's not gonna be a five meter per second wind at Hayward. There's not. Yeah. So we'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. This is a big weekend for you all around. You had Steiner doing well, and then you had Devin Allen signing with your beloved Philadelphia Eagles. This is why I wanted to talk to you for this week in track. I asked you, I said, do a 30-second reaction video. Guys, Gordon sent me two and a half minutes of Eagles thoughts last night. Sorry. It was, sorry. It was, that, it was terrific. Listen, I'm going to need an editor for that. But, yeah, as a track fan, as an Eagles fan, I mean, how many jerseys do you have pre-ordered? Oh, no. No, I have, I, you know, I should do that. But part of me realizes you shouldn't order a jersey for someone who makes the 80-man roster. You should order it once they make the 53-man roster. 
And that's the big question for Devin Allen. He signed this deal, but, you know, you're not really an actual NFL player until you make it past, you know, the first round cuts, the second round, third round, et cetera. But this is interesting, though. I talk about this on This Week in Track. The Eagles are notorious for signing Olympians. They signed Jeremy Bloom, who is an Olympic skier, to be a punt returner. They traded for Marquise Goodwin, who, as we know, long jump Olympian. And now they're going after 110 Hurdler and Devin Allen, who, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a great punt. Ret- it will be a potential punt returner for the Eagles. And I think that's what his role is going to be. Obviously, you know, you're going to dream big and you want to be a star wide receiver and make millions of dollars and, you know, making the Pro Bowl and everything. But in order to make NFL teams as like unsigned free agents, in order to make NFL teams as like a player who hasn't played in many years, is special teams. And if he is able to catch a ball from the air and outrun people, juke and jab and hurdle over someone, which I hope happens. How great would it be to see Devin Allen do a punt return and a tackler's coming at him and he does a classic hurdle move over? Like we see hurdle moves in the NFL a lot of times, like, and it's always like putting slow-mo. But seeing Devin Allen do it would be something else. Do you think if he did it enough, it would stop commentators from comparing every guy who jumps over someone to either Edwin Moses or Ronaldo Diamaya? Like, how many hurdle moves does Allen need to do before the next generation is, oh, he looked like Devin Allen out there instead of he looked like somebody from the from from four decades ago. Um, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for him. I was watching the Rose Bowl where he got hurt because I was trying to – I knew it was the first play. I didn't remember if he was on the ball or he was off the ball. And I was at that game, Oregon versus Florida State, 2015, college football semifinal and he gets the ball goes down you know the commentators talk about hey this is the fastest guy in oregon's roster that's the ncaa hurdle champ and you just realize you know prior to that injury the path that devin allen was on he had just won the ncaa title in the high hurdles and then he's in the rose bowl when oregon football is at the peak of its powers that's pretty cool not many yeah. people have both of those things going on. And then you think about from that point forward, okay, he has another injury. And, and yeah, he, he runs fast and, and he makes teams, but he obviously wanted gold. He wants world records. So things were, were great for him, had the setbacks. So now to see him come around, he finally breaks 13 seconds outdoors. Now he gets on an NFL roster. I mean, it's the story of a guy who obviously was insanely talented, had some setbacks and is now – finding his way back to where he wanted to be a few years ago. Um, so I thought it was just really kind of, it's a cool story. Regardless of what happens next, I think it's a cool story. Um, and then I ended up watching way too much of a football game that was seven years old because I had it up on YouTube. But anyway. And also, this move is going to be good for the sport of track and field, right? Think about how many Philadelphia Eagles fans are going to be watching USA's and Worlds now that Devin Allen is in mm-hmm. it, right? And also, yeah. it's gonna, yeah. there is going to be a situation where people are going to be like, I thought Devin Allen was good when he gets second to Grant Holloway. And everyone's going to be like, I thought he was fast. Why is he losing? Yeah. Like, well, he's losing yeah. to one of the greatest hurdles of all yeah. time. It's okay to lose to Grant in a hurdle race. But, you know, non-track fans are going to be like, I thought he was like an Olympian. Why is he getting yeah. second? It's like, to, yeah. Well, he might even get third. He might get third. He might lose to Trey Cunningham because Cunningham's really good. Yeah. So, uh, there's going to be a fun little non-track uh, knowledgeable people who are going to be like, I thought he was fast. Why is he getting third at USA? Yeah. It's like, well, you mentioned the connection between the Eagles and Olympians. You forgot one, though. Who's the greatest Eagles quarterback of all time? Oh, Randall Cunningham. Coach and father of? Dashtag Cunningham. Man, Olympic Olympic rings run through the blood of Philadelphia Eagles mm. greats. So, Lincoln welcome Financial to the fraternity, field, stand Devin Allen. up. <laughs> welcome to the fraternity. You, I'm excited. This I got. This I, makes I hope you he so makes happy, team, and I love it because if he does, I love make that you're so team, happy about this. If he does make the team, oh, I'm gonna love watching. I'm like, 
I'm just gonna be like that guy at the bar who be like, who's gonna be able to like, I know like, I know mm-hmm. that guy. I know like his his uh, his weaknesses. His I feel like an NFL expert. It's gonna be fun. It is. It's been fun. People are though. gonna think you're related to him. If you went to a yeah. bar and he's on the team, people are like, why is this guy still talking about Devin Allen next to me? This is are you his are you his way less athletic cousin? Who are you? The, the fun thing is like I just I go on a lot of. Philadelphia beat reporters, articles, podcasts, and all that stuff. I consume all that content. And it is fun hearing them like kind of react to like Devin Allen and like, be like, yeah. oh yeah, and the, just the way they talk about him. And I'm like, oh, this is a guy I've known for like eight years. And there have been like, so yeah, he played football and now he's doing this. And he did this thing called World's track and field. for you. So you're going to be the, you're going to be the well actually guy to all the beat reporters. Well, actually, that was a wind dated time. Chuck, so his PB is a little different. I remember interviewing Devin in 2014 at the Fayetteville, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, at the 2014 West Prelims. And I was like, ooh, I should get a Devin Allen interview. And I remember asking him about Chip Kelly because I think Chip Mm -hmm. Kelly had just left Oregon to become the Eagles head coach. And I remember like, it was Chip Kelly good. Yeah, I forget what exactly what he said, but maybe he would have said something. Obviously, Chip Kelly didn't work out for the Eagles, but you know, still won a Super Bowl a few Best years. Best of luck like. to you, Gordon. Thank you. Best of luck Speak to you. Up. This is ex- I mean, I'm excited for you. I couldn't have thought of a better team for him to go to. Yeah, because if he would have went to like Jacksonville, if he would have went to Jacksonville. Who cares, yeah. right? But yeah, well, I guess if he would have, I don't know, is Marion on the Falcons now? That'd have been a cool thing. Or if he went with. Justin Herbert on the uh, Chargers. That would have been cool. Look at this head. Look at this interview. Look how long all this is. Meet Oregon's wide receiver Herbert Devin Allen. You're yeah. introducing us to Devin. He was legit. You look up some of his high school times. I remember he went to Arcadia or something and like won the one, the two, and the low hurdles, maybe in the high hurdles or something. It was nuts. Richardson and Merritt to Devin Allen quit football. These are great headlines. Well, he did for a bit. He did. And then he came back. The thing is, I mean, I know this is a long shot, but, you know, what if trap goes really well? I wonder, I wonder what, would, what, what it would need to take. Probably. He I wants think to he'll take, it, right? No. The, he, even if he were to win and break the world record, he's still going to try out. Like, football season is not during track season. Like, it's. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I think, right? That's why. Yeah. Let's move on. Bermuda games. Let's run through all the results. It, Gordon, I don't know if you, you wanna, heard. You want to do an audio recap of it? <laughs> That's the audio recap. Man, see, I could have used that joke earlier today. This is why I need to share the, share the doc with you. Uh, it's windy. It's in Bermuda. So we'll talk about who did run, but a uh, notable person didn't run, which was Grant Holloway. Scratched out of the high hurdles after asking that the direction of the race be changed so that the wind would be at their back instead of in their face. Wind readings got as high as 5.9. So Grant's tweet here, Gordon, I'll read it and then you can react to it. Uh, The wind is negative 4.6 right now. Please think about the athletes and not the viewers. And this was a double down of another tweet where he said, flip the track, please and thank you. It's possible. Think about the athletes, not the viewers at USATF TV and at NBC. Now, Grant Holloway, my boy, you're one of my favorite athletes. I think you're on my Mount Rushmore who I want to win, like in 2022. But this is a wrong take, bro. This is not, this is not right. This isn't the, this isn't the right um, position to have. I get it. It sucks. You came to Bermuda. You want to make your season opener be a, a smooth season opener. And this isn't a smooth season opener to have to run into a negative 4.6 headwind. But that's not why people are paying you, paying your flight, paying for your hotel, paying you an appearance fee to come to Bermuda to run for 13 seconds. They're not paying you to get a good rust buster uh season opener they're paying you to run on a track to entertain 
patrons who from all over Bermuda who are coming to watch you live and people from all over the world who want to watch you on TV or tuning, tuning in because, oh, I'm a big fan of Grant Holloway. I want to watch him run. And when you don't and you say, oh, it's because it's too windy, it's kind of bullshit. Injuries, that's legit. Should never risk an injury, legit. But th- you could have ran in a headwind. And then the argument, like, oh, it's unsafe. You could clip. Okay. Jasmine Camacho Quinn, the Olympic champion, just said, no, hold my beer. I can run into a headwind. Everyone else ran into a headwind except you. Now, there might have been a few other scratches you don't know about, but obviously you're going to be the, the marquee name because of your, mm-hmm. your, that's the, the what, you know. Uh, yeah, he's one of the top guys that were advertised, yeah. right? Yeah. When, when, when it came down to it, th- there were some scratches pre-meet, but when it came down to actually the day before who was listed as running, he was one of the top two or three names. Yeah. And I know, it, again, I get it. You didn't want to do it, and it's not ideal for your season opener, but uh, that's not why you're a track athlete. You're not a track athlete just to put up times – in a black box that no one, and then just make that time go faster and faster and do it year in and year out in a black box and no one cares and the wind's always perfect and it's just a not like this this viewpoint of like we need to think of the athletes first and not the viewers is why the sport isn't as popular as it could be you know who didn't say this you know, LeBron, uh, LeBron James changed his mind, but when we did the NBA bubble, right, that wasn't ideal for the athletes. But they did it mainly because the NBA viewers wanted to see basketball during the pandemic stuff. Now, I get it, but the reason why, the, the, the reason why it was incentivized for the NBA players to live in a bubble is because they know if we shut down a season, we're going to lose a year's worth of revenue and therefore, mm-hmm. then our next year's revenue is going to be lower. So there was money attached to the thinking about the viewers. But in this situation, like, yeah, you you it is about the viewers. That's why you're, you're paid by Adidas. Because Adidas is your – Adidas uh, users of shoes are your viewers or whatever. I don't even know mm-hmm. how – who his specific viewers are. But, like, he's paid to run – because of viewers he's not paid to run because of season opening times and then it was mm-hmm. you know i just i think he's gonna regret i mean he doesn't need to worry about it because he's grant holloway and he's gonna run again and mm-hmm. everything this will be in the past and no one's gonna think about the april 9th meet in yeah october after the season's over but grant you could have ran that's all i gotta say about that you could have ran you should have ran everyone else did I come at it from the perspective of, hey, I think this guy's uh, generational talent. I think he has the opportunity to race on network TV. And as a track fan who likes it when more people get into track, I wanted more people to see him. I wanted more people to see him race. I wanted more people to see whatever celebration he had after. And when you don't run, that's a missed opportunity, I think. And I think track would be better with if there was more Grant Holloways in terms of the personality. But I think it would be confusing. If you're sitting at home and you don't know anything about track and you're watching it, because he gave an interview, right, on, on NBC as to why he wasn't running, um, people are going to look and say, wait, are they launching a rocket? Like, what's, why are we canceling? Why, why would you not run because of wind? It's like you're doing a hurdle race. And maybe the thought was more people would scratch, but if you actually look at the list, there's not a ton of scratches. So one of the few people who's not running is one of the main attractions. And let's just talk about this logistically because people might have some questions. Flipping the start, changing the direction, what does it do? Well, first of all, you have people who bought tickets for the finish line, right? And there's a higher price to those tickets. We've all sat in the seats where you say, hey, who won that? About six times a meet. You pay money so you don't have to ask that question. You pay money so you're at the finish line and you get to see the finish. So not fair to those people who probably knew it was windy and were like, yeah, okay, it's windy. It's track meet. Bermuda. It's an island in the middle of the ocean. It's going to be windy. 
Then there's the TV side of things. You've seen races where they flip the direction. You've seen what the camera angle is. Would you describe it as good? Would you describe it as something that you would want to present to the larger viewing public if your interest is to get more people interested in track and field? No. And then also, it's, yeah, you, to set up camera equipment to actually make it look good on the other side, you, there's not enough time in the day to reset up your camera position. Yeah. Also, thirdly, they probably didn't have the timing equipment to put up a second timer finish line at the other end. So if they were to yeah. move the timer for them to keep like the, the 400s and 800s consistent, that's yeah. time. They don't have time to move the timing equipment, calibrate it, then move it back to the original start finish line, recalibrate it. Like right. there's so yeah. many, it's not, it's not, they're not set up for that. Yeah. And you say, all right, have a second set of cameras, have backup timing equipment. That's just, just aren't realistic requests given the budget situation that yeah. track and field finds itself in. And then here's the other part of it. All right. You flip it the other direction. So now minus 5.6 turns into plus 5.6. Those times don't count. You say, all right, everybody would get really excited about it. All these people who tuned in, the casual fans tuned in. Yeah, but now you're explaining to them why none of it counts. Someone runs nine, Jerome Blake runs nine, seven, or Tiana Daniels and Gabby Thomas run 10, five. And then you're spending all this time saying, well, that it doesn't count because it's, it's too windy. Either way, you're dealing with illegal wins. I'm with you. I mean, isn't, we hear this all the time. Track needs new fans. Track needs more fans. So things should be set up not to put athletes in danger. Obviously, we, everybody wants to prioritize athlete safety. But sometimes the conditions aren't ideal and you just got to get out there and still compete. And still compete because the fans are, are waiting for you to compete. We saw this a few years ago. Remember 2018? Uh, USA's in Des Moines. There was that huge long weather delay. And some people just bounced. And then some people stuck around. And we're like, hey, I came to run. I'm gonna finish, I'm gonna finish the job. That's a little different setup. That's a national championship. This isn't. This had appearance fees. That that didn't. I mean, I don't know everybody's individual contract situation, but yeah, you from a competitive standpoint, too, it's just like who who cares what the time is? Just go out and win. Just go out and get a win. Practice winning, right? Practice running and competing in, in bad, in bad conditions. So I was confused. I didn't think he would actually, when I saw that first tweet, I didn't think he would actually pull up. This was Grant saying the quiet part out loud. This moment, and similar to that 2018 moment at when Michael Norman said, I'm not doing a 200 because I don't want to come back after the rain. This is one of the top athletes in the world saying the quiet part out loud. None of these track meets matter. Because if it mattered, he would have ran. Yeah. And the only thing that matters for Grant Holloway this year is actually only one race because not even USA's matters for him right now because he has a buy. He's got the buy. Yeah. So literally, the, there's only three races that matter on his entire schedule: first round, second round, and final at the World Championships. USA's doesn't matter. Diamond Leagues don't matter. This Bermuda meet doesn't matter. And this is him. I guarantee you, if it's a negative five point six headwind in a at USA's, like, well, I, I have the buy, so whatever. I don't need to run it. I don't want to. But why is everybody else running? Is my question then? Why is everybody else running in Bermuda? Then pretty much everybody else, because it doesn't matter for everyone them either. Yeah. Well, everyone else is running because they don't have the. I mean, I don't know why people choose. Some people are willing to, I don't know why everyone else did. And he, I think Grant's had a situation in his career where he's at the top of the top. He is one of, of a, you could put him in the, in the group of 10 athletes that are in world athletics, like tier group of like, he is, you know, he's Ryan Krauser, Grant Holloway. Yeah, but Lyles would be in that group. Mondo. Lyles would be in that group. He ran. I don't even think Lyles, yeah, Lyles in that group. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why Lyles is willing Lyles to do is, it and he wasn't. Lyles is know. a superstar. I don't know. I, I, I think there's something else. I just, again, it's like you can't say why is the sport not more popular or we want to have contracts like this sport or that sport, and then you have an opportunity to run on network TV and you pass. Like, And I'm not just saying this to him. I'm, I'm saying it also to the people who, you know, like, yeah, that's right. They, they, why, why don't they flip it? They should flip the track. 
we like the priority needs to be on getting that positive win, not the negative win. I mean, it's not like a dual meet, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like there's money invested. I know it's not track, so it's not a ton of money, but there's money invested and and uh, production set up to go this way. And sometimes it's not going to be advantageous, but you just you just got to do it. Again, I'm coming at it from perspective of I want to see Grant Hawley race because I think he's a generational athlete and I want more people to be exposed to Grant Holloway. So that, and obviously we followed his career. Um, we want to see, we want more people to see his greatness, right? So run a, you know, run a 13, run a 13, three into a minus five and then drive Gordon crazy with wind conversions. Like that would have yeah, been exactly. Fun. Cause I would call it the world record that no one calls yeah. the world record. You could have ran a world record that no one calls a world record. No. And again, Grant, I'm giving you a hard time here. It's not the end of the world. He pulled out of an April meet in Bermuda. It's not like he's pulling out of like a, the marquee of marquee races that we all are itching to see. So this is going to be something that we forget about, you know, in a week. It's probably old news yeah, by now. But I think I you almost forgot about it. But you know, the sin is. I think not you're right about crazy, but it still is a little bit like, Grant, you kind of you, you made a little mistake. Just, you made I think you're right about it, though, not from just a, of speaking directly about him, but symptomatic of a larger problem. I think that's why it's significant. Because in isolation, yeah, it's a meet in April that we're not going to be talking about in a couple weeks. But just the idea of professional track as a sport with something like this happening shows you how much these meets are de-emphasized and how little incentive people have to actually compete at these competitions, right? And how that looks to the outside greater sporting audience when people are not choosing to take, the, like they're only gonna take it seriously as the athletes are. Why should yeah. the fan care? Especially if the fans aren't invested in track and field if the athlete doesn't seem like they care. That's and my, I, you know, this, this goes across all levels, right? I mean, I talk about this in cross country. Coaches are like, hey, we can't overrun our athletes. You know, we yeah. got to debut end of October when they've been running all, you know, for two months long. You know, the NCAA champion in the women's cross-country championship, Whitney Orton, she only ran like three times. Yeah. And it's like, all right, yeah. what are we doing here? You know, it's like, oh, we're going to rest you during conferences. It's not that important. Mm -hmm. We got to focus on the – or rest you during regionals and all that stuff. So, like – all oh, now coaches, you're going to BYU. And athletes. First it was Grant, yeah. now it's BYU. No. All of Gordon's the coaches. Favorites. They're 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 all mental head cases with overthinking the coaching of track and field. They all think, oh, you can't be overrun. Oh, like, oh, the wind conditions, oh, this, that, and the other thing. Guys, it's running. There are obvious signs of how you hurt yourself by overtraining and pushing yourself too hard. But running for 13 seconds mm -hmm. in Bermuda mm -hmm. is not going to make or break your season. Running a 6K in September is not going to make you run out of gas in November. Like, it's possible. Yeah. It is possible because guess what? You're running like 80-mile weeks anyway. What is this? Take away 6,000 meters from those 80 miles, and then you're fine. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think Grant could have ran. Long story short. I like the tweet. Thank you, Bermuda, for the amazing hospitality. Big thanks to USATF yeah. and Astro Partners for hosting and providing the opportunity to compete to all runners across the world. You should call that a Holloway, like when you don't participate in something and then afterwards you thank the event organizers. And it's almost as if he was kind of held it. I think that tweet was basically, uh, you must tweet this in order to get like a percentage of your appearance fee. So he's like, all right, it was saved it. in drafts already. Saved in drafts. I mean, all the athletes are tweeting out the same thank tweet. you note. But, and it was all basically, in order to do, uh, to receive yeah. your appearance fee, you must send out this tweet before and after. Yeah. Fans. Fans are important. Fans are important, right? Fans on TV, fans in the stands. That should be a big consideration in track and field, if it's to be a professional sport. Now, if it's not going to be, that's a different conversation. We can do that on another pod, I guess, sometimes of – how would we do things if we didn't need to think about fans at all? Which oftentimes I think is how track is ordinarily scheduled. I'm looking at you, 10 heats of the 10,000 at night. All right. 
You talked about Camacho Quinn. I will say this one last thing on Grant. Grant not running and not running for this reason gave us an extra 25 minutes of reason to talk about this meet because the meet was kind of trash. So Grant actually not running was Uh, the highlight of the meet. (laughs) But maybe he would have run 13. Well, because of the – well, but let's just look at the head-to-heads, right? Because if he did do something fast into a headwind and you did get your conversion chart out, then that would have been crazy. But you had, I think you had some significant storylines here. You had Knighton and Blake and Knighton going one, two in the hundred ahead of Noah Lyles. I thought that was significant. Again, okay, you want to say the wind threw everything off. I'll buy that. It was that, it was that uh, strong that I know results are going to be all over the place. I'm just basically I'm putting my hand over the times. And I'm saying, if you looked at these results, what would your conclusion be? Because then you have the 100 where Tiana Daniels edges uh, Gabby Thomas. That was a great race. And we talked about Tiana Daniels. All she does is make teams. That's, that's sort of her MO now. You had Karani James coming back and getting a win. Same thing with Shereka Jackson. Stephen Gardner, a big comeback in the 200. Um, Anthony Strahan running well in the women's too. And then Camacho Quinn, a dominant win over everybody else. I think if you just – you Get rid of the times and you just say, hey, timing system went down in this meet. Just pretend. And you saw those results. It's a fun exercise as to like what your takeaways would have been. Of those, what do you think is the most significant? I think uh, Tiana Daniels, most significant. I think this was a race to show I haven't gone anywhere. Um, you guys been distracted with Shakari Richardson for the past year and a half. Rightfully so, because she's one great on the track and off the track. Uh, but guys, I'm still in my prime. I'm still going to be one of the top one of the top three runners in the US. So mm-hmm. I think Tiana Daniels was kind of reaffirming my pre-race thoughts that like, hey, Tiana Daniels, all she does is make teams. Um, yeah. and her win, I think, was a good indicative of that. So I think Daniels winning was a good sign for her trajectory this this summer. Lyles losing. I mean, this may sound like you know this. This kind of reminds me of the way like I looked at Marcel Jacobs, right? I was I was yeah. kind of writing off Marcel Jacobs until he would beat Christian Coleman at World Indoors mm-hmm. because I wanted to keep an asterisk on that Olympic final, and I just refused to like let Marcel Jacobs enter the conversation, but then he did eventually enter the conversation at that world final. So now he's the favorite in my mind for the rest of the year. Uh, but ultimate gatekeeper, basically what we do as pundits and as fans and as analysts and all that stuff is it's really hard to believe that someone is legit when you really haven't seen it up until that point, you need to see it probably three times, I think three times. The third time is when you're like, okay, I believe it. And someone mm-hmm. like Jerome Blake, who gets a win here, am I going to believe it that he, at the end of the year, will be a better sprinter than Knighton or Lyles? I'm not going to believe that. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to believe that your Bermuda Games win over Knighton and Lyles is indicative of your, what you're going to be at the end of the year. Same with, same with Knighton over Lyles. That's not indicative of me thinking Knighton has passed Lyles. I need to see something three times for me to believe that there's been a change of the guard. And so Blake and Knighton beating Lyles, that's, that's one instance. I need to see it twice before I believe in either being better than Lyles in 2022. Blake, you probably don't remember this, but they had that that boost games last year, that 200 straight here in 1989. So by your three race rule, I think we're at least at two now for him being legit. But Lyles, though, if he didn't have struggles last year in the 100, I would dismiss this. Now, I'm sort of conflicted because on one hand, it's opener, it's crazy wind, whatever. But then I'm also going back to last year. I'm like, hey, did I remember when I lost my house on that bet? Did I learn yeah. my lesson from last year? Because you can. the flip side of this is if you're late to picking up somebody who's good, 
you also can be too slow to let somebody who's underperforming go. And that's, that's the conflict that I have right now. Let me just say, though, it's clear Knighton is, I mean, we already know it's legit, right? Based on what he did in the trials. But that's a great result for Knighton. Again, cover up the times. Who cares? He's been better in the two than the one. This was a, this was a win for him. I mean, I know he didn't win, but I used to do. Maybe I'll bring it back. The winners that didn't win uh, section. Ari Knighton is a winner who didn't win. Like, that was a great race for him. He finishes ahead of Noah Lyles. Again, the field wasn't as stacked as we thought it was going in. But I like the fact that he shows up, runs into these crazy wins, and just gets it done. Um, Blake, yeah, TBD. We'll see on him. Um, and Lyles, I think I'll put it as a TBD generously. But yeah, it's kind of frustrating that the, res the results end with a TBD. But that's just what you're going to get out of season openers. We're not going to yeah. believe any of the results that involve the favorite losing because we're not going to let go of it yet. You know, you have to hold on to it. I think if you're a Lyles fan, if, if you're a Lyles fan, I think you wanted to see the momentum of the indoor season where PRs in the 60 and it start looks really good. And you wanted that to carry over here. Now, again, the conditions were pretty out there. So I'm willing to extend some mulligans. But I'm also going to give credit to the people who overperformed. So that would be Blake and that would be Knighton. And then I would go TBD on. I'm upgrading Blake. I'm giving him a win because he won. We don't, we don't know what it means. but <laughs> Giving him a win because he won. It's good. Yeah. It's a, a, it's a controversial, a controversial take, Gordon. Uh, winners who actually did win. No, I'm saying, I'm saying that um, we'll obviously need to wait and see on all of this. but. I think that the wind was enough to where it's it's tough to sort it out. But I agree, Daniel's solid. Thomas, I think that's still a good result for her too. We know her better of it is the, is the two hundred. Camacho Quinn just demolishing people in the high hurdles. I mean that that to me is is a signal that she's not going anywhere either. I like that she just went out there and took care of business. Won by she won by almost four tenths of a second. Now, I know this is maybe going to reveal my ignorance, mm. but why Puerto Rico is part of America, right? <laughs> We're doing this again? Geography. Puerto Rico. Why does Puerto Rico... Yeah. Why does Puerto Rico not compete under the American flag? Because uh, it's a commonwealth. It's uh, looking at Wikipedia here. Yeah. Yeah. Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. Well, because some country, you see it in the World Cup too, right? England, Scotland. Yeah, Scotland, Wales. yeah. Wales. Okay. So right. it's like that. Well, in some competitions, they all come together. And in some competitions, uh, they don't. They don't. Because what I'm trying so. to say is... Think you we need to like. I want to to Jasmine Camacho Quinn to be a U.S. runner. She's a U.S. citizen, so you know, you would think. Well, we had that issue right with Mondo being dual citizen, and he he Sweet. broke the the U.S. record as a sweet as a Sweden athlete because we didn't update yeah. the, the ruling. This yeah. would have been a same similar situation because I can see Jasmine Camacho Quinn flirting with the world record in 2022. Which would have been interesting, you know. You know, yeah. Two Kentucky athletes getting it back to back, but well, yeah, now you I got, was, now I you got Steiner. Like, yeah, Steiner. Steiner too. Yeah, but McLaughlin, right? Camacho, Quinn, McLaughlin. Steiner, Kentucky is. It's no longer I don't think about men's can... basketball there. It's about women's track at Kentucky. Is that the greatest? If you were to take, go to every college. Of the past 10 years, athletes who competed at that college in 10 years, and you got to take their four best athletes mm -hmm. who are running right now. Kentucky yeah. would be number one with the Mount Rushmore. Can you think of another school that has four athletes in there that you would take over those four? Four all the Single gender? Four? 
Single gender. Yeah, single gender too. Yeah. It's, I would guess. I don't wait, and it has to be the last 10 years? What if they went to college more than 10 years ago? No, it could be. No, they, they have to be just good now. They have to be good now. Like if they're, if you had to say like, all right, we want, yeah, get, I know. Yeah, yeah. What school will compete with a Sydney, Camacho Quinn, uh, Steiner and Harrison. But like, uh, someone who went to college in 2010, do they count if they're still good? Yeah, they count. That's what yeah. I'm asking. You, I, I take away the 10 year thing. doesn't matter. I just, okay, they're mean, writing USC? in 2022. USC on the men, you go DeGrasse, Benjamin. Norman, I'm missing somebody, I'm sure. Well, if you could do co-ed, you could throw... I mean, Jewett, in there, right? Isaiah Jewett. Yeah. Um, Oregon, I'm sure. I don't know who the four would be. So you're looking at how they do as pros, right? Or how they yeah, just... Yeah, I'm talking about well, how they are right yet, now. But... Like, you look at that, okay. that group, you could probably argue all four will be at Worlds, right? They're all four will make Worlds. Yeah. I mean, we're assuming Abby progresses. Two of them are going to win gold. Yeah. I mean, you can't get better than that. The other one might get yeah. silver, and the other one might get bronze. They could have four medalists. That's Name a school that's going to have four yeah. medalists. That, that's, I guess that's what I'm point, trying to point to. That'll be interesting. I'm going to look into that. What school will have the most world championship medalists in 2022? This reminds me of when USC track uh, claimed Allison Felix at the last Olympics. <laughs> And then we said, no, 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 the, uh, the education department should because she wasn't on the track team. <laughs> she got her degree there. They can, they can, they can claim her, but not the, not the track team. Okay, other, other highlights. I'm just going through the results here. Uh, again, it's just you're looking at order. You're not really looking at the finishing time. I thought Gardner's comeback was impressive in the two. Thought that that stood out. Good to see Karani James again. Shrieky Jackson. I don't know. Is the four hundred just to just to get in shape, just like Elaine Thompson ran an early season four hundred, or is it? I, I haven't I haven't seen any quotes from her about what that means going forward. If she's going to potentially run the four again, you'd think. All right, well, you want to avoid Thompson or Rob, but then you go to the four and you got Miller Weibo. That's tough too. I think the path to a silver medal. Would be easier in the four than the than the one, but you have the ability to run double easier in the one and the two. Excuse me, than you would with the with the four involved. Valerie Allman, American record. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. This is not in. Uh, this was not in Bermuda. Although she threw with a five point six. Behind her, maybe she could. Uh, yeah, 71.46. It was awesome. The video is cool, too. I know a lot's made of the fact that she had a background in dance and there's similar um, athletic movements involved in this. But, like, just look at this, especially once she releases it. The twisting and turning she does to stay in the circle. It's just – it's a sight to behold there. Yeah, farthest throw in 30 years. You look at those all-time marks and it's heavily, heavily weighted on the 80s, which – Gordon Discus throwing was just really good in the 80s. I guess that's what was going on um, back then. Uh, yeah, massive throw for Allman. Um, excited to see her in Eugene. I don't know, like, what the – I know discus can vary just based on conditions. So there's been situations where people put a big mark out there, but then when it comes time to championship season, they're not able to replicate it. But, you know, Allman's – Almond's a medalist, so um, I think she's one to be one to tangle with. There, do you? Th I mean, are you going to bet money on the discus this year? Is this is one of the events you're looking at as you look ahead. I'm going to bet money on everything. Pool? Gambling's okay. legal in Oregon. I'm going to hammer every single event. I did 100 bucks last year. I might double down. I might do 200 this year. Try to make my money back. Yeah, have some fun. Uh, no, but uh, I think the thing about the discus is like. I, I mean, this maybe uh disclaimer, I know nothing about the discus. I just know like the... That's not true. That's not true. I By nothing about the discus, I mean, I don't know actually how to be a discus thrower. I don't know the technique of discus. Well, 
Okay. Disgusting. Well, what I'm saying is... I got you covered. I threw in middle school. got you covered. You did? What'd you throw? How far? Like 40 feet. Not good. (laughs) Not good. Okay. Did you spin or did you just stand there and chuck it? I would spin. Yeah. Okay. That's like six Valerie almonds. So do you want to break down that throw then for us, Colt? Can you put the throw back up? I'm so underqualified. Um... That's good. Gordon just did a disclaimer of I know nothing about the discus. <laughs> well, what uh, I was trying to say is, podcast. Oh, I mean, whatever. no one knows it. the techniques of every single event in track. Like, do you think a sprinter knows how to pace a 10K? No. Yeah. What, what stands out to you there, Colt, when you watch that? Uh, the balance, I guess. Just like, I, I don't know. I was just super awkward when I would spin. Like, I could never figure out exactly how to keep, like, the rotation going fluidly all the way through, but... Yeah, she's yeah, very balanced, very coordinated throughout the entire thing. Where I was not. There you go. I was uh, when I coached track, obviously predominantly on the distance side. But then we had some throwers come out, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to coach these guys?" And I was like, "All right, this is gonna be tough." And we didn't throw the discus in our section; it was just shot. And these kids wanted to throw, so I was going to clinics. I was looking on YouTube, figuring out how to do it. I met with a coach who knew what he was doing, and I was like. All right, some kids are going to glide, some kids are going to spin. And then we started off um, the season, and I was like hoping this one kid could spin. And he threw the shot one time, went completely sideways out of the throwing area onto the track. And I was like, all right, we are done spinning. We will no longer spin. We are only going to glide because people like Allman and the pros make it look super easy. That is extremely difficult, and things can go wrong. in a hurry. You're right about balance there, Colt. It's but what I was asking hold. is how, okay, sorry. in order for her to get that mark, I feel like discus is the one event where wind is super important because it can help carry right. the lift. Discus. Yep. Yep, yep. It can, it's like, but the discus also isn't heavy enough. It's not like a Frisbee where it can really just float in the air. It has some weight to it to kind of prevent the wind from just like taking it and flying. But I do well, hold think on. Thomas says in the chat, the only event that you want a headwind is the discus. Mm, there you go. Thank well, you, Tommy. Headwind is it? Wind, though. Wind, like wind, wind. Wind in general. In, obviously, wind in general, which is you get in these. I talked to someone a couple of years ago who knew stuff about throws, and because I was saying, hey, are we going to see? You know, it was back when Perkovich or whoever was dominating. I said, are we going to see this type of distance at the championships? And the person was just explaining that there's. Places that people go in the world that are conducive to really big throws. And then you put them in a stadium and that cannot be replicated uh, all the time. So, you know, San Diego is one of those spots. Um, I'm looking at the chat here. People are weighing in on your question about which college would have the best four. Uh, Tampico says USC. Uh, Nick says UTEC. Um, oh, here we go. Here's a good one. Thomas says Texas A&M women. A thing Mo, Tyra Gittens, Cherokee Young, and dot, dot, dot. Yeah, you'd need a fourth one there. Um, but, like, Cherokee Young is not at the same level as any of those four in Kentucky. Well, 50-0, if she improves on that, could be a medalist. Maybe. Like I could see, I could see, I could see her getting a bronze and Steiner getting a bronze the same way. But you're right. You have Cherokee Young's getting a bronze. Kentucky has, Kentucky has. I do betting on it right now. Uh, Kentucky has two world record holders. Yeah, and three guaranteed medalists, assuming Kenny Harrison medals. Yeah, the problem is they got two in the same event. Now, for efficiency's sake, they need to spread those. Those high hurdlers out. You also have, um, like, the co- so you have uh, the Steiner is current coach, Lonnie Green, right? Then you have uh, Sydney and Camacho Quinn, who ran when uh, Edric Floreal was there, right? And then you have Ken, did Kenny, I mean, she must have run there when. What was there too, right? But she was, but you know, it's just like it's spanning a lot of different eras. Yeah, yeah, interesting. 
All right. We good? Good pod. Yep. Good job. Everybody involved. Same to you, man. Well done. Uh, we probably missed some stuff. We'll cover that on a Wednesday show. Remember, bonus pod is on Tuesday. We'll release it at 9 a.m. Central. So if you're not a member, uh, become a member. Hit on, let me look on YouTube here. You can hit join. Hit join. And then uh, you can uh, get access to that bonus pod. If not, still get the three-day week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 a.m. Central on YouTube. Um, great discus analysis today, Jordan. Really enjoyed uh doing the pod with you and uh thanks to colt for producing and thanks to travis for producing appreciate everybody tuning in we'll have a new pickup contest soon oh do you want to talk about how that worked before we go i forgot about the pickup contest oh uh, well you we got we'll screwed up because we had a time yeah we had holloway's finish time and then the other we'll ones were we're the one women's and the men so it's just track is complicated all right when we'll when we uh when we do the next weekend's pickup, we'll update you on that situation with the new one. So stay tuned. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.